0: You know it's going to get real up in here when I bring two Bibles, <laughs> so we ain't playing around today. <clears throat> so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. For the last uh, several weeks, we have had a a secret guest with us since the beginning of Lent, and if you're a uh, The parent of elementary students, you know about this guest. He's literally been, at times, literally been hanging around in the sanctuary. Uh, Last week, and our guest, if you don't know, if you don't have elementary students, is a little Jesus doll. Last week, uh, Kaylee outdid herself and found a really good hiding spot for him. And we had kids during the uh, band practice up here with binoculars looking all over the sanctuary for him. And he's still here this week. And they were uh, looking all over the sanctuary trying to find him. <clears throat> and uh, it has struck me, for me as I was thinking about this, how much time I will spend trying to answer questions or riddles or puzzles or, or solve problems games, whatever it is, I will spend an insane amount of time trying to come up with with solutions and truth. But I don't spend nearly the same amount of time, and I think this is probably true for many of us, when it comes to solving the the truth of the things that matter. You know, we'll barely lift a finger when it comes to finding out the truth of who God is or does heaven and hell exist? What is our purpose? What is God's plan for us? I don't spend, and I'm assuming many of you don't spend nearly as much time on that as you will probably spend trying to find Jesus this morning if you haven't already found him. So today we're going to try to do something a little different. We're going to try to be truth seekers That is our goal for today, to seek truth that matters. So we're going to read John 20, verses 24 to 29. I encourage you, please open your Bible if you have a Bible with you. And keep it, because we are going to go through a lot of passages today. Most of what you're going to hear me probably talk is probably going to be reading passages. So we've got this passage, and we've got... uh, seven others we are going to read during our sermon today. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you in the pews. If this is if you have never opened a Bible before, today is an awesome day to start, to open a Bible for the first time. And if you grab that pew Bible in front of you, you're going to go to page 768, so we'll make it real easy for you. That's where John 20 is. you pray with me heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you for um, revealing yourself to us through your holy word father we pray that today as we dig into this father as we read these words from you that you would speak to us in a new way father not from the words that i speak or anything that i've added lord but from the words from your bible speak to each one of us reveal yourself to each one of us Do a work today and transform our lives, Lord. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Thomas is one of my favorite disciples, apostles. Kind of because we have the same name, so that helps. But also because if if I were like any of the apostles or disciples, this is the one I think I would be like. Because I'm kind of skeptical as well. I don't just believe things that people tell me. Um, and, And that's kind of what Thomas is doing. Thomas gets kind of a bad rap. Thomas gets called Doubting Thomas. But to me, Thomas wasn't a doubter. Thomas was a seeker of the truth. And the reason he gets this bad rap is because many of the versions of the Bible, including the one I just read to you, it says, Jesus says, stop doubting and believe, but that's actually a little bit of a mistranslation. It's not doubting, isn't the word there? It's apistos a la pistos, and what that means is pistos is to believe. Apistos, whenever you add the a in front of a Greek word, it makes it the negative. So, and this is how the nas be translated is so stop your unbelief, apistos, and pistos, believe. See, Thomas wasn't per se a doubter. He just wasn't going to believe based on the word of the other disciples. But we call him Doubting Thomas. We forget that in Mark, I think Mark 16, all the other disciples do the exact same thing when Mary comes to them and says, I've seen the risen Lord. And they're like, we don't believe you. But he doesn't call, we don't call him doubting Peter or doubting John. Thomas wasn't doubting. Thomas was seeking the truth. And Thomas even laid out what it was going to take for him to believe the truth. And he said, if I see, unless I see, the scars, his hands, and it put my finger or my hand in his side. You know, I'm not going to believe. He laid out, this is what it's going to take for me to believe what is being said. See, it's okay to be a skeptic. It's okay to say, this is what I need to believe and to look for truth. Now, the problem would have been if Thomas's skepticism had gone to denialism denialism is when we refuse to believe despite the evidence put in front of us. But that wasn't the case with Thomas. Thomas said, this is what I need. This is what I'm looking for. And if I see this, I will believe. And how did Jesus respond to Thomas? He responded with compassion and love. Jesus could have demanded Thomas believe based on all the evidence he had seen in the three years together of ministry. But Jesus didn't do that. With compassion and love, Jesus says to Thomas, see my hands, touch the scars, put your hand in my side. And what does Thomas do? I can imagine Thomas collapsing to the floor when he says, my Lord and my God. And in this passage, it doesn't even seem like Thomas had to touch it like he said he was going to have to. All he had to do is see the risen Lord. And Jesus kind of confirms that when he says, you believe because you've seen, not because you stuck your hand in my side. You believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe who have not seen. And I imagine that when Thomas was on the floor crying out, my Lord and my God, proclaiming the divinity of Jesus, that what came rushing through his mind was all the evidence that he had seen over those three years that he had had with Jesus. I can imagine all of that coming flooding back to him. So as Jesus, so Thomas was seeking the truth and Jesus reveals himself to Thomas. But here's the question as we seek truth, who did Jesus tell Thomas that he was during those three years? And this is where we're going to get into reading just a lot of passages. I'm going to have to have this because I need my verses. And the real reason I have two Bibles is because I have this aversion to writing in this Bible. This is my, but this Bible I write in. <laughs> so I, I marked our passages for today. As we go to these passages, um, the first one is going to be John 6. We're going to read 35, 38, and then 40 through 42. And we're going to read a lot, of verse, a lot of passages today. And I want to encourage this of you. I can guarantee you there is nothing that I will say to you that will be more valuable than what God speaks to you if he starts revealing something to you in his word. So is if as you are reading this with me all of a sudden something jumps out to you, keep reading. Keep listening to God. I've done that. I've completely blown off pastors and sat in a pew and just read whatever the thing was because God was speaking something to me. And I would rather you hear from God today than me because you hear from me, you're not leaving transformed. You hear from God, your life will be changed. So feel free to just blow me off as soon as God starts speaking to you through his word, okay? And you can rejoin whenever God's done. Just jump back in, okay? So the first thing, and the seven passages we are going to read are the seven I am statements of Jesus. Jesus telling us who he is in John. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down out of heaven." They were saying, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? When Jesus says that uh, he is the bread of life, he is making a reference to Exodus. Exodus. When the Jewish people were wandering through the wilderness and they had nothing to eat, God sent the manna. Jesus is now the manna that God has sent from heaven for his people. Jesus here is emphasizing his divine origin. Now we may read this with our Western American understanding and not have any clue what this means. But the Jewish leaders, they knew what this meant you see the tradition doesn't mean as much to us we haven't grown up with it but the jewish leaders they knew exactly what jesus was saying jesus was emphasizing his divine origin and this is why much of the time the jewish leaders are trying to kill jesus not because he was starting a rebellion not because he was doing anything else per se wrong but because to them he was blaspheming making himself equal with god the next passage we're going to read is John 8, 8 uh, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. And if you'd move on with me to John 10, we're going to read 1 through 7 and 9. Actually, we'll just go straight through to 9. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is the door. There's only one way into the pen. Anybody else who goes in any other way is a thief and a robber, an antichrist. Jesus is the gate. Then in John 10, 14 through 18, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again, this commandment I received from my Father. Did you catch that in there? As we just finished Easter, Jesus laid down his own life on his own authority. I'm sure many, us, many of us have heard the uh, The saying, I think there may be a song, you know, about how it wasn't the nails that held Jesus on that cross. It was his love for us. Jesus had the authority to lay down his life, but he also had the authority to take it up again, to be resurrected. In John 11, we're going to read 25 and 26. Jesus is talking to Martha. Martha. And he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? But I love that we ended with the same thing because it's a good question for us as well. Do we believe this? Do we believe that, if, that Christ will give us eternal life if we believe him? The la- next one is uh, John 14. We're going to read 5 through 17. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to Philip, have you so long, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep... My commandments, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. The great thing with this passage in chapter 14. You know, there's people who will tell us that the Trinity doesn't exist, that the Trinity is never spoken about in the Bible. But all through the scriptures, we see the Trinity. And this is a great example of that. Jesus is saying, I am in the Father, the Father is in me, they are one. And then we also see the Holy Spirit. And the great thing with all three parts of the Trinity is all three are referred to as truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life He refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. And if we go through the Old Testament, we see God the Father in Isaiah 65 is the God, the Father of truth. Here is a great example of where we see the Trinity in the Bible. It may not use the word Trinity, but when we search, when we are seeking for truth, we find it. The last passage we're going to read is uh, John 15, 1-8. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus is our sustainer. We can do nothing apart from him. Ultimately, what has Jesus revealed to his disciples through these seven am" statements? Jesus is revealing his divinity. There are those who would have us believe that Jesus never claimed to be anything more than just a man or a teacher, maybe a prophet. But that's not what we see in the word of God When we look at what Jesus says about himself, we see all through the scriptures where he says that he and the Father are one, where he is, again, emphasizing his divinity. And when we seek God, when we seek Jesus, when we seek truth, God will always reveal himself to us. Today, God still reveals himself to us. I have shared with you my testimony. I wasn't seeking God per se. I was seeking wisdom and truth. I was seeking answers. What in the world am I here for? And I won't bore you with the whole thing again. But I'm not the only one who has had the same experience. Lee Strobel, who wrote The Case for Christ, which if you are seeking truth, great book to get. If you are looking for answers, Lee Strobel um, went to, I believe, Yale Law School, and he was the legal editor for 14 years for the Chicago Tribune. And one day his wife came home and announced that uh, she had accepted Jesus Christ as her savior. And Lee said, I could not think of anything worse that could have possibly happened than her accepting Christ. He was very much an atheist. So Lee decided that he was going to prove that God wasn't real, that the Bible wasn't true, and get his wife out of this cult that she had just joined. But Lee was a skeptic. He wasn't a denier. And when he went at it like a reporter would go at it, looking for the evidence and following wherever the evidence led, what Lee found out was that God was true, that his word was true. Through his search, God revealed himself to Lee Strobel in a mighty way. God is still revealing himself to us today as we search for truth. I had a co-worker when I worked for the Resource Center. And we used to talk a lot and he'd ask me all these questions about the Bible. He was a skeptic. And he'd asked me tons and tons of questions. And one day we had worked today, together all day long. And all day long we had been talking about the Bible. And um, he was asking me all these questions. Well, how do you explain this? Well, what is this? And towards the end of the day he goes, he apologized to me for asking all the questions. And I said, I will answer these questions all day long. The skeptic doesn't bother me. The skeptic doesn't worry me. Because I believe if we are sincerely seeking truth, God is going to reveal himself. I will take a bunch of skeptics any day over lukewarm Christians who show up at church but don't actually read their Bible. God still works today. During our quarantine, Kaylee sent a video to... Brita shared it with Pastor Joe and I, and it was uh, Sheep Among Wolves, volume two. I don't know why we got volume two, but that's when she had watched, that's the one we watched. So who knows what happened in the first volume? But volume two was about the church in Iran, the fastest growing church in the world. And it was powerful. <clears throat> the way God was revealing himself to these Iranian people, many of whom were Muslims. And sometimes he'd reveal himself through conversations. They were doing an incredible job there of discipling, of just going out and sharing what God had done for them with people around them. But there are many, many examples in Iran where God revealed himself in supernatural ways even. As people were seeking the truth and maybe through the Muslim faith, but they were still seeking who is the real God. They were still searching. And God revealed himself through dreams, through visions. God is still working today. Jesus is still revealing himself today. Are we searching for him? Will we take the time to really know the truth and know it well enough to sustain us through the difficult times. Connie and I had a great discussion this morning about the direction our world is going and our church numbers are getting smaller and smaller. And I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about the world church and this country's church. And it's not hard to believe that the time is coming when we will be asked to make a choice between God and our lives. We talked about that pastor in Cuba, and I'm sure in Cuba they thought, oh, it's never going to happen. But it did. And it can happen here. And we need to be ready. And if we don't have a firm foundation based on truth, when the time comes and I'm asked to choose between my family and my faith, my God it's going to be really hard for me to say, no, I will not deny my Lord and Savior. It's one thing to take abuse ourselves. It's another thing to watch loved ones take abuse. And if we don't know the truth of God's word, if we don't have a faith that is firm and solid, how will we ever make the right decisions? Because that one decision will affect our eternity. We have got to be seeking truth. We have got to know the word of God and who God, who Jesus himself said he was. The truth is out there. Will you find him? Will you pray with me? (sighs) Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the time we have had to read your word Father, there is nothing more powerful in this world than the word that you have given us, than the Holy Spirit working in us, than your revealing yourself to us, Father. Lord, continue to work among us. Continue to grow us into into who you would have us become. Help our faith become solid. Help us to have a firm foundation that we will be able to stand through even the most difficult trials, Lord, that we will be able to stand for you. Father, I just pray that you continue to work. Lord, we we pray now as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.